आप सभी का जैन टॉक्स के सेवेंटी सेकेंड सेशन के अंदर स्वागत है मैं हूं नील और आज मेरे साथ पैनल के ऊपर प्रोफेसर पंकज जैन हैं साथ ही साथ जैन दर्शन की तलस्पर्शी विदुषी मिस संगीता शाह और हमारे आज के मॉडरेटर प्रणव शाह हैं आज हम एक बहुत ही रोचक विषय के ऊपर बात करने वाले हैं हमारा आज का पहला विषय जैनिज्म एंड इकोलॉजी के ऊपर रहेगा और दूसरे विषय में हम इलेक्ट्रोमैग्नेटिक वेव्स जो रेडिएशन होते हैं उसके कारण कैसे वायलेंस होता है जैनिज्म के परस्पेक्टिव से सो उसके बारे में जानेंगे तो मैं स्वागत करता हूं आप सभी का जैन टॉक्स के सेवेंटी सेकेंड वेबिनार में और आज हमारे दोनों सेशंस का मॉडरेट करेंगे मिस्टर प्रणव कोठारी सो प्रणव कोठारी आपका स्वागत है जैन टॉक्स के इस पैनल के ऊपर आपका पहले भी जैन टॉक्स के मंच पे आना हुआ है और मैं सबको कहना चाहूंगा कि हमारे जैन टॉक्स के वेबिनार्स की शुरुआत यानी हमारे सबसे पहले मॉडरेटर भी प्रणव कोठारी थे जो टेडिक स्पीकर है हार्वर्ड यूनिवर्सिटी से जिन्होंने एम किया हुआ है और भी आज हमारे साथ इस सेशन को मॉडरेट करेंगे तो हम स्वागत करते हैं आप सभी का इस जैन टॉक्स के पैनल के ऊपर मिस्टर प्रणव कोठारी uh thank you neil bhai um uh, uh, uh welcome everyone uh good morning to people in the us and good evening to people uh, in india uh aaj uh, it's, a, it's a privilege to you know talk to both uh, dr jain and sangeeta ma'am today and uh main koshish karunga ke is uh, you know aise prashna hum puche ke humko kuch bahut kuch janne ko mile unse um so i will endeavor that you know through the questions we ask today we all get to learn a lot uh and this doesn't have to be done by me alone uh please definitely put your questions in the q and a box and you know i will take from there uh aur ye mera akele ka kaam nahi hai aap zarur apne prashna bhi q and a box mein daliye aur usme se hum read out karke dono se gyan prapt karenge um so first of all you know dr jain um Uh, very interesting he is originally from rajasthan rajasthan mein he has gone to all the districts and he has also actually visited all the states of india so very widely traveled uh, person uh, he also lived a lot of time in the us he was the uh, associate professor in the department of philosophy and religion at the university of north texas and uh, right now he is the dean of the arts and humanities at the vijay bhumi universities um so you know both uh, while he was in the us he was a uh, co-chair of the india initiatives group so was very connected to india uh, in multiple ways unhone bahut sara likha bhi hai unka abhi latest interview new york times mein aaya tha aur netflix mein ek show hai the story of god where morgan freeman actually interviewed him so you know if you like what you hear today you know you can get more of him uh, on netflix um he has actually compiled the history of jains and hindus in america um for his latest monograph which is the dharma in america so if you want to read more you can uh, go to that uh, he's also translating the jain darshan which is actually a very big large volume on the philosophy of jainism uh, and is working on his fourth monograph uh, which is who are the makers of modern jainism uh to unne bahut likha hai bahut padha hai um bahut sara cheez publish kiya hai um including uh, you know co-editing the encyclopedia of hinduism 
uh, as well as uh, a volume on Indian and Western philosophical concepts. Um, so uh, again, you know, welcome, uh, Dr. Jain. I'm so happy to have you on. The Thank you, Pranav. Nice to be here. Thank you very much. Um, so, Dr. Jain, uh, you know, abhi to mask fashion mein aa gaye. Covid ke wajah se sab log masks pehnte hain. But apne jo muni, rishis, apne jo gurus the, wo to bahut pehle se hi masks pehnte the. So, what is the science and what is the rationale behind wearing a mask? What does it do? How does it, you know, protect uh, both the person who is listening, but also, you know, how does it reduce and how does it benefit the speaker? I right. would love to hear from you. Right. Uh, uh, Jainism uh, is very little understood outside India, as you know. Uh, Jains have been living in Nepal for many decades now. Jains have a temple in Kenya and Africa. There is a Jain temple in Japan and also a couple of temples in Thailand, which that I visited. And now around 100 Jain temples across North America also. But Jainism is very little understood. It's often called as an offshoot of Hinduism, which is not true. Uh, and Jains have been iconified with their monks wearing those masks or Mupatti in Hindi or Gujarati, as we call them. But that's a you know, very small segment of Jains. Uh, only monks and nuns in only a couple of subsects of Shvetambar Jainism. Jains, Dikambar and Shvetambar, there are two major sects. Within Shvetambar, there are Tirapanti and Sthanakwasi, only Sthanakwasi and Tirapanti, monks and nuns wear them. Uh, and that also started just, you know, just only a couple of centuries back, actually. So that uh, started when Sthanakwasi subsect was formed by Acharya Bhikshu. And when he thought that he's trying to reform Shvetambar practices, so he came up with that idea. My understanding of the masks or Mupati is simple that I think you want to avoid ingesting any microbes or anything that is floating around in the air. So that's one purpose to avoid that kind of violence. Second, this is my humble interpretation that I think because Jains have been so careful in avoiding all kinds of violence. Uh, so when they are uh, putting that masks, when the monks and nuns of Sanakwasi and Tirapanti subsect of Shvetambar, when they are putting the masks on their mouth, I think it can be interpreted as if they are trying to avoid the violence, even uh, violence to consume more air than what is barely needed for their bare, bare survival. So avoiding the ingestion of microbes, but also avoiding extra ingestion of air. You know, air is also one sense beings, one, one sense, uh, one soul beings in, in the Jain tradition, air, earth, water, fire, all of those are, have souls. So why consume more air? then what is barely needed for your basic survival? That's my second interpretation. Third interpretation uh, is that I think mask, when you put mask on your mouth, you're always being careful not to speak uh, more what, than what is needed. Be very economical, be very laconic in your speech. Be very careful in your ingestion of air and avoid violence on micro. These are my three interpretations. Uh, that I can give by masks by the subsect of No, Interesting. So, you know, one is uh, about like how not to harm uh, a lot of the microbes. They may be invisible, but they're still there. And, you know, by speech, they're also getting 
जान बचाने के लिए या हम जैसे बोलते हैं कि जीवदान उसको भी बचाने की कोशिश करते हैं you know unintentionally do like we have you know jains who are in the construction business jains who are you know supporting the mining uh, industry through diamonds or uh, chemicals right and and those things are you know also hurting the yes. earth air water so why is you know why do jains generally are over indexing on uh, life uh, and placing tremendous importance on that well when it comes to other forms of ecology सेम लेवल ऑफ ध्यान नहीं है तो व्हाट आर योर थॉट्स ऑन दैट यस गुड क्वेश्चन for discouraged from trading charcoal timber pulling animals in cart consumption of alcohol slave trading weapons trading trading of poisons sugarcane trading seeds trading firearms trading construction of lakes were all prohibited by jains and historically if you look at more than 2 millennia of jain history you will see almost never jains doing all these kind of trades or professions or careers what they were doing instead was always in either you see them in trading industries banking industries uh, commercial activities commercial activities clerical activities yes diamond trading will come to diamond in a second traditional medicines arts and crafts government or rural working for government or rural or manufacturing industries or publishing and media or education industry educational activities diamond is the only at the sore point and gems have i think uh, been the leaders in 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 the uh, in the diamond trade it is said that every diamond that is that anybody touches in the world has passed through either a jain or a jew jains and jews have been leading this this trade for now uh, at least a century if not more so uh, yes so that is because uh, i think historically i think jains were not aware probably it was their honest ignorance probably in my judgment that they didn't realize that diamond is coming at a huge cost of violence it's called as red diamonds really literally red with lot of violence in africa now it is very clear with you know so many documentaries and everything is 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 already available on youtube that how much violence uh, there is in in the diamond trading also the jains have to be aware now they have to be made aware and they have to probably switch to a different profession but now jains are such big leaders across the world you know in, you go to los angeles or florida or dallas where i was for a decade in new york where i was there also for decade new york new york area and of course mumbai kurla bandra complex or palanpur or, or even surat 
and Jaipur also. Jaipur have just captured the whole industry, you know, we, we like it or not. So it's, it's going to be very difficult in shifting from this career or profession to a different profession. It's just, uh, you know, nature of the trade. The gents have been leading this. Uh, just as you, you know, so that's how the nature of the thing. But historically, gents have avoided the violent, violent professions and they've always preferred less violent. You have to do something. You have to survive in this world. So they have been doing something. So, you know, 100% idealism approach, if we take, you know, everything has some consequences. You know, by even our talking has some consequences. Our breathing has some consequences. Even vegetarian food has some consequences. There, are, there is karma particle even with vegetarian food. But the idea is to avoid as much as possible and to prefer least violent professions and careers. That's what James said. No, we have got a message from uh, Ramesh uh, uh, Kumarji, uh, Ramesh Shahji uh, on the chat where he says that, you know, in the Jains were also warriors. And in fact, Rishabh Dev uh, yes. created the classes based on profession. So, you know, why are, who are we to sort of put a restriction uh, today on this profession? And he also says that, um, uh, in, in fact, uh, do you not believe that in every profession, gangs will bring their legacy and help in reducing ahimsa in a sense? Yeah, that's uh, another Help in reducing violence. Which yeah. That's another interpretation. I mean, I'm, this is Anekantwad, right? This is not, I'm not the final word. Nobody is the final word for anything in, in Jainism or even in you know, general global context. Everything is very context sensitive. We have to contextualize what we are saying. I just wanted to share the list from Bhogopa Bhogopratha text. So that's one interpretation. Another interpretation could be yes, why not? You know, Jains should historically Jains avoided travel. Now Jains are a sizable force in America. So Jains are bringing their legacy in America. So veganism is spreading in America also. Vegetarianism may not be directly because of Jains, of course, but Jains are very active in the forefront of interpersonal, uh, interreligious dialogue, interfaith dialogues. So indirectly, who knows? Gandhi, for example, Gandhi was directly influenced by. Srimad Ranchandra, you know, all, all, all gens actually, in fact, are very proud of that fact. So from Srimad Ranchandra to Gandhi, from Gandhi to Dr. Martin Luther King. And now gens have joined uh, those kind of efforts in America also. So because of this legacy yeah. spreading globally, yes, gens are in fact taking their heritage across the world. In Thailand, in Japan, Kenya, North America, England, in Belgium, there is a gen temple. So of course, it, it has to spread. It has to spread. It should spread. Yes. Abhi, uh, uh, you know, Dr. Pankaji, uh, COVID may, uh, you know, sablog ghar pe hai and a lot of people uh, had to cook uh, for the first time in their lives, jab uh, lockdown ho gaya tha. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a home where my daddy kabhi aloo piyaz nahi khati thi. Now my mother-in-law has also never tasted it in her life. And, you know, when I also got into the kitchen, you had these variety of vegetables, right? And in particular, Jo, uh, jamikand, uh, hai, gajar, adu, piyaz, lasan. Jainism plants, hum, agar plants life hai. Jamikand particular root vegetables Right. already meat is already prohibited because that's like direct. So killing a chicken or a cattle or a goat is equated with killing a human being according to the Jain tradition of violence because all of those are five sense beings. So equal amount of negative karma or path will be accrued if you kill a chicken or a 
any 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 mammal basically any mammal is killing is same as killing a human being so that's the probably jainism is the only tradition in the world that equates killing a mammal with killing a human being or uh, so all those are all the, all those are five sense beings now what is allowed to be consumed by human for human survival is one sense beings right so one sense beings as i said earlier earth water fire and uh, air and plants were allowed now even within plants then the gradation comes so why to kill an entire plant for our consumption why not just take the by product of the plant see there is a tree mango tree for example mango is fallen right naturally then i will consume it that's the ultimate form of non violence so ma mango is already fallen and i'll consume only that mango i will not pluck the mango like any mango from the tree because that is also violence so it might be still raw so that's just gradation of violence so when we when we eat potatoes or uh, radish or zamikan like zamikan word itself you took it take a look zamin means earth or bhumi right soil kan means the product or the uh, vegetable or the fruit that which comes from underground literally underground is going to be more violent because you're killing the root of that plant right so more violence so why to kill the entire plant if i can just take the by product let's say mango or a banana without killing the entire plant itself so we are i'm just again choosing the least resistance path least violence path least violent path that so that's again the gradation and by the way my grandmother was like your grandmother when she never tasted even cauliflower or of course all of those zamikans were always prohibited so it has been running in our tradition for millennia now that you know even roots and stem were avoided for for centuries and centuries just a gradation of violence so, dr anjuri jabhi hum you know लीव्स या फ्रूट्स या वेजिटेबल्स या ये जब हम खाने के लिए यूज करते हैं दैट इज फॉर आर बॉडी सर्वाइवल देन एंडरस्टैंड पर जब मैं मंदिर जाता हूँ और यू नो मैं देखता हूँ कि लोग इसको चढ़ा रहे हैं और कोई कोई चीजों में जब पक्षाल पूजा करते हैं तब दूध है या यू नो दिज अट ऑफ डेकोरेटिव या रिचुअलिस्टिक things that are also happening right mm -hmm. and uh, in, in one sense there is this affinity ke bhagwan ko chala rahe hain we are making this offering uh, to the god but on the other side in a way that we are also you know uh, harming some of these things so how should one think about this ye agar debate man mein aata hai to iske bare mein kaise sochna chahiye right uh, this is a great question also and there is no one right answer or wrong answer we have to just think from all perspective right so one perspective perspective that i can think of right now is that you know i think technically if you really go to idealism idealistic or what is mentioned in our texts i think the only thing that was allowed in our rituals were only white rice that is rice raw rice that also because rice is called as akshat akshat means that which never decays that which is again least violent Uh, raw material that we can offer in our puja in our rituals but now with i think because the overall uh, ambience or overall environment of india is so you know heavily uh, influenced by hindu culture I, you know we have to accept that i think some of the elements from hindu rituals have also i think entered jain rituals is in my humble opinion you know some people may dis disagree and you know there could be multiple interpretations that's my humble interpretation that this flower and milk and all this probably came from other traditions probably buddhism or hinduism or in my humble opinion but but then i have to be careful now if, if you go to bahubali shavan belgola you know every 12 years when mahamastika abhishek is happening there's tons of milk tons of sandalwood paste saffron paste 
water is showered on, on Bahubali Mastik for Mahamastik Abhishek. Prime Minister of India will come and President will come and helicopters are, are driving, you know, being flown and you know all those things are happening at a huge level. Not just one Bahubali Murti, by the way. There is another Murti of Bahubali also in Karkala. There are, I think, three huge statues, idols, Murtis of Bahubali uh, that are uh, done these, all these huge rituals are done, even in generation. So now again, uh, with as animal farming started has, has started happening, and now we know that milk that we drink comes at a huge cost. A lot of violence is done on cattle. Then we get our milk. Now gens have to stop and reinterpret and be very careful and mindful of this violence. What are we doing? So can we replace milk, offering of milk, let's say by, I don't know, by white, uh, what, white, uh, some kind of a fluid? I don't know. I mean, I'm not the one to decide. Our, our guru, gurus and sadhus and sadhvis and acharyas have to decide this. How do we replace more milk, which is becoming more and more violent, with some non-violent alternative? Flower, you, you are you're right. I agree with that. That you know, why often uh, so many flowers and which all goes into trash, which is again coming probably from with great cost and violence from farmers and whatnot. So we have to again we have to think, sit back, and, and we all of us have to really carefully uh, reflect on what we are doing. And, and it's it's a, it's an ongoing struggle. That's the I think that's the beauty. That's the greatness of all the all the flourishing traditions of the, of the world. That there is no set written word of that which is final forever you, know, you can always interpret them our acharyas can interpret them and then you can we can reapply and reinterpret them for 21st century as things have changed as milk has changed we have to also i think reinterpret and reapply our our philosophies in a, in a modern in a better way so you know what does it mean to be a jain कि जो जैनिज्म का जो बेसिक प्रिंसिपल्स है अहिंसा का एकांतवाद का यू नो मेनी ऑफ द अदर्स तो वो जो अगर प्रिंसिपल्स का अगर आज इन टुडेज मॉडर्न सोसाइटी विद इंटरनेट विद यू नो एवरीथिंग वेयर वी आर प्रैक्टिकली प्रैक्टिकली जो व्हाट डज इट मीन टू बी अ जैन टू बी लिविंग अ जैन नॉट जस्ट अ जैन बाय बर्थ नॉट जस्ट बिकॉज़ यू नो मेरे पापा मम्मी जैन थे तो मैं जैन बन गया पर इफ आई रियली वांट टू डेमोंस्ट्रेट कि जैनिज्म जैन जैसे कैसे जीना है तो उसके लिए क्या सजेशंस हैं आपके राइट अगेन आई थिंक यू नो माय हंबल पॉइंट ऑफ व्यू वुड बी दैट आई थिंक अमेरिकन जैन्स हैव डन अ आई थिंक अ गुड सॉर्ट ऑफ encapsulating jainism for jain values for wider public not just for jains or indians who are already familiar with jainism jain principles but how do we take it to american people or, or non indians or non jains right so they have come up with three a's triple a's right so ahimsa aparigraha and anekatvad which is the three a's which have been used uh, many times in as they go to interfaith forums and so on so ahimsa obviously everybody knows non violence and which is uh, you know avoiding violence and not just action violence in action but also violence in speech and even thinking so avoiding all that violence is aimed total non violence and as much as possible practicing non violence right then aparigraha cutting down our consumption cutting down our possession cutting down on our accumulation if we have 15 shirts in our cupboard let's avoid and have less and less five five if we have five let's cut down to three So avoiding that consumption and accumulation in possession, five cars, three cars, two car, one car, or maybe two wheeler, or maybe public transport, right? Then anekantvat, accepting all the perspectives as partially true, you know. So and then combining all of them to get the full picture. 
So that's Anekanwa. So these three A's, I think, are really valuable. As you said, nobody is Jain. Nobody can be really Jain just by birth. By practicing, understanding and practicing these three A's, I think, can be really valuable, not just for, to, for survival and flourishing of Jain tradition, but for the flourishing of our planet itself. We cannot imagine our planet if we do not practice these, these three principles of Ahimsa, Aparigra and Anekanwa. For, for avoiding climate change, for avoiding terrorism, for avoiding all kinds of violence, for avoiding all kinds of polarization that we see in, in politics and in, in all spheres of our life. Everywhere we see there is so much violence going on, violence by speech, violence by thinking. So these three principles, I think, are really great contributing factor, can be really great contributing factor. If, we, if like you said, if you don't uh, limit Jain, Jainism just by, by practice or ritual, but by really emphasizing and reminding ourselves that what great innovative ideas Jain tradition has brought into the world, not just for Jain people that are born by Jain, born Jain, but by, for the wider public. We have to understand and we have to share widely. Next time, if you are playing you have to remember that you have to but Doctor, like what the, see these words are at a let's say they are words, right? Practically, agar hum, uh, ecology kale, research topic hai, Jainism and ecology. Right. So if you can tell us kya do teen chich hai, joham subconsciously kare, jumko unintentionally kare, but uska ecological damage both high hai. Or kya do teen chich hai joham or actually uska ecological damage kafi kam hai. So if you can tell us our day-to-day actions, mein, lives, mein, what are some things we are doing that are protecting the ecology? What are some things we are doing that are actually harming the ecology? But we okay. don't know about it. Yes, good. good. Good question. Very nice question. I think what we are doing right already is that despite all the environmental problems that we have across India, right? we see pollution, we see river pollution, urbanization, loss of forests, loss of biodiversity, and on and on. We can go on and on. That those are all negatives, right? But that's mostly because of the you know booming, exploding population and exploding pollution, exploding plastics, which have been which have been really bad, you know, fortunately banned across India in many cities. But many things are still uh, problematic across India. But what are positive about India's society is that our consumption of meat is still very low, very, very less. That's one good thing. So that keeps our carbon footprint less than China, Brazil, and of course, less than America or, or many European nations. So because of our uh, already vegetarian-based lifestyle, those who call themselves non-vegetarians, non-gens who are calling themselves non-vegetarians, even they cannot avoid lentils and wheat and rice. They will take some meat-based dish, uh, maybe. But that would be maybe once a week or maybe twice a week, twice a week. But main staple diet would even there, you know, if, as long as you're Indian, across anywhere in India you're living, or even outside India you're living, you will, your, your diet is coming from lentils, rice, or wheat, like it or not. Yes, you, you might take some meat dish you know, here or there, but mostly, for the most part, our staple diet, doesn't matter south, north, east, west, wherever you are coming from in India, your staple diet is mostly coming from vegetarian food items. That keeps our carbon footprint much lower than major economies of the world, including China, Brazil, or, or other European or American 
uh, nations, as I mentioned. So that's one good thing we are already doing. What we are not doing so far, especially, uh, especially I think Jains living outside India, for example, US or uh, European countries, or even now, even in India, what we are not realizing, I think, so far, is that our dairy products are also unfortunately no longer non-violent, as, as we already touched upon. So we have to be, and I have to be also carefully reminded, and we have to change our habits to avoid dairy products. The problem is, I think, in India especially, the alternatives are still not widely available. In US or, or other nations now, uh, non-dairy-based uh, milk and butter and yogurt are already now available. Even not even not so widely, but they're slowly coming up in, in some parts of America, uh, probably in California or Oregon, uh, progressive states, less so in Texas. So that we have to raise awareness. But our next generation in America, they have set up websites and blogs such as vegangens.com, janvegans.org, or vice versa. They are spreading awareness. They are telling their parents, you call yourself Jen, and how come you are uh, using dairy products? That is a highly problematic uh, phenomenon among gens in, in America. So, as more and more younger generation, younger people are becoming aware of the harm associated, violence associated with, with dairy, I think more and more people will also turn into veganism. That would be the ultimate, uh, I think, most non-violent way of living our uh, tradition of Jainism across the world in India and across the world. So, I told you all both positive and negative. Abhi hamara, like you know, weekly uh, family calls. May uh, uh, one of my cousins, Suhani Jain, she actually gave us all uh, half an hour uh, talk about uh, how veganism is important. And uh, uh, you know, uh, my wife Smita and I we started experimenting. We completely cut down nahi kya, but we decided that milk, you know, sirf hafte mein do din aayega. And then humne ko cheese bahut pasand hai, so we experimented with cashew cheese, and we found like oh, nice. a good substitute, you know, for for a big dish. I have to there. learn all this. And, Paneer and tofu is there. So, so perhaps, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, right? I mean, yes. you don't have to Actually, give up huh. milk all seven days. You can always like do it five days and then Cut four days and then two days. Good point. Good point. And, and good thing, if I may uh, add, there are four or five prominent monks and nuns, Jain monks and nuns, who are really pushing for veganism. I think Labdi Sagar is one of the most prominent Jain monks. On YouTube, you can watch his Gujarati lectures. He is very passionately spreading veganism. You know, the, uh, there's a question from the audience, uh, from Rashmi, uh, who's saying, what is the Jain opinion on population explosion? Is there a solution that Jainism can offer? Um, so that's her question. And I think just adding on to her question, I think, uh, you know, ecology, yeah, I think, has an impact on, uh, on uh, rising populations because they're consuming, they're you know, uh, yes. taking a lot of resources. So yeah, if you could uh, answer Rashmi's question. Yes, of course, you know, population explosion is, uh, again, I think uh, if we uh, go back to Jain principles of, uh, you know, basic five panch, panch mahavrat to have five major vows that household, households are supposed to practice anuvrat, so minor vows, but monks uh, and nuns, sadhus and sadhvis have to practice mahavrats, complete dramchari. They cannot be even together in the same room uh, by themselves. So just if there is one, one monk or one nun in one room, that is not allowed. Touching each other is out of question. You being together in one room is itself is a problem. So, extremely strict practice of brahmacharya. I think the highest, best practice uh, patterns that we have seen is in the Jain tradition. Absolute discipline, absolute not even touching wealth, not even touching currency, no bank accounts, uh, not riding in any vehicle, 
and so that all those practices so brahmachari if you take it to the householders level uh if we practice again not to the extreme to the what ascetics are practicing but if we do a gradation of brahmachari i think that's a very easy simple solution for i think uh, population explosion if i may add that and in general i think yeah so be again be very aware of the problems that are associated but i think in the jain community i think it's i think we are uh, at the uh, i think one of the most uh, progressive literate communities in india probably the most literate community in india we i think in the jain community are probably the population problem is not so severe as compared to the uh, communities that are not so fortunate that are not so privileged in terms of socio economic status so that's where we have to contribute i think jains have to do you know increase their domain of philanthropic activities so that they can take education to masses which are not yet privileged with education only i think the population explosion problems can be solved with economic activity opportunities and what not jains i think are are at the forefront of providing jobs also and so on so it's all interconnected all the issues right thank you um doctor like in every day i open uh, my newspaper and there is you know stock markets kitne upar gaye kitne niche gaye um you know companies ke quarterly earning reports are out there um the weather sort of patterns are there uh, uh, it talks about how many levels or inches uh, uh, the seas have risen or how many degrees celsius the um the temperature has risen and i guess the latest topic is how many seats and votes has donald trump got right <laughs> um there is so many numbers uh, uh that i see on many of these but you know and, and it gets everyone's attention right mm-hmm. uh, whether they are measuring their weight whether they are looking at height or, or whatever there's so much quantification of mm-hmm. most of these things but when it comes to ecology right, mm-hmm. we don't uh, see the same level of mm-hmm. uh quantification right mm-hmm. like when was the last time i know how many tons of carbon dioxide do i release when i take a flight from bangalore to ahmedabad mm-hmm. right when was the last time that i am aware of by use of uh, uh, i mean fast fashion is one of the biggest mm-hmm. pollutions right so mm-hmm. when i buy a new shirt like in the colors and the dyes and the processing how much like water how much damage have that right? yes. those things are invisible yes right do you think like if we had more metrics if we yes. had more visibility um like today when you buy a can of food it tells you exactly how many proteins and yes. fat and you know, ingredients and red dots and green dots everything is there but we don't get the same ecological damage that our other goods that we have bought does yes. so would would doing something like this by bringing more visibility yes. bringing more met bringing more transparency help in prevention of the ecology yes. yes i think we have we must do that i am a strong proponent of that also i would we would all i think agree that we we need that kind of a, uh, we have been i think obsessed with gdp right gross domestic product what we now need is gross environmental product or gross nature product there are people already uh, who have ex- i think state of uttarakhand in india have already started pushing for gep or gnp in which we count how many forests we have saved how many forests we have grown how many rivers we have kept clean how many mountains we have kept green and so on and so how many, how much air we have kept clean like you like you also alluded to so i think we really need that because of with that awareness only i think it has to be like you said everything everything also should must have this environmental factor and then the, uh, uh, carbon footprint is is one uh, also one my good step in that direction the carbon footprint of the entire country 
of an entire human being, every human being, every day. How much carbon footprint we have created? And again, so far we have been, I think, on the on the lower side because our per capita carbon footprint is still lower than other countries because of our you know our obsession with vegetarian food or our obsession with public transport, which is very good. Our 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 houses still do not have central AC or central heater or dishwashers uh, that are you know by default across uh, Euro America because our consumption is still very less. Our carbon footprint is still very less, but. You know, as we keep copying what America and Europe are, have been doing for centuries, what wrong they have been doing. If we start following those, we, our carbon footprint will also go up, go up. So with that awareness of, of quantification, I think especially our younger generation have to be, I think, take the lead and quantify all these things and, and put a label on all the products that we use. I think that can go really a long step to, to raise awareness and be very careful, very aware of these uh, carbon footprint that we're leaving uh, by our consumption. Yeah, and you know, Bhutan as a country also mm -hmm. measures GNH, which is gross national happiness. Happen. And you know, we have a variety of metrics on including environment as part of that. I know that certain states in India, like Sikkim, are you know pushing for organic. I remember when I crossed yes. the border over from West Bengal, there were these signs, you know, that organic food, uh, no plastics. I think has become a big thing in many of the Himalayan uh, states. So. So I, I think there is rising awareness, but it's just like, you know, it's a number that doesn't come at the front page of a newspaper. It doesn't yeah. hit you in the face as much as some of the others do. Um, Dr. Pangaj, we have another question from the audience, stemmed from Sunil. Um, and his question is, what would you ascribe as the biggest reason for the decline of Jainism um, as measured by, you know, the number of followers uh, 2,500 years ago? Jainism was a primary religion of the subcontinent, but today less than one percent of the India's population uh, are, you know, Jains. Mm -hmm. um, so Sunil uh, has asked you this question. Mm -hmm. All right, now it's a very academic question. I have to go back. We have to, We all have to go back twenty five hundred years ago. Uh, so Jainism and, and Buddhism became sort of primary. Very, uh, you know, sort of. It was the the entire age is actually called as an Axis age, where uh, Buddha and Mahavir and Lao Tzu, Confucius, Zoroaster, Socrates, and Moses, almost you know, hundred years here, two hundred, hundred or two hundred years here or there, if you do plus or minus, that was the age when the entire Euro-American uh, region of the world was having these revolutionary figures, you know, epoch-making figures, those who created new eras, those who started new new calendars we have mahavir calendar because of mahavir and buddhism buddha started buddhism and zoroastrian zoroastrianism based on zoroaster in ancient persia and socrates in greece and moses in in the jewish world so what happened in india at that time is that hinduism vedic rituals were already very prevalent with a lot of you know many of those rituals were very violent you know whether we like it or not whether we accept it or not it's Fact is that even today in Nepal and in Rajasthan and Bengal, there are still rituals in which animals are sacrificed. You have to accept. And I, I mean, I have seen from my own eyes in Kolkata. If you go in, in Kolkata, there are still animals. So all those sacrifices, which were very, very mass, you know, everywhere there was that must be happening because of the influence of Buddha and Mahavir. Those sacrifices are significantly down now right? across India. You know, you see almost nowhere those animals. Are, so some places like Rajasthan and Bengal, I mentioned. And Rajasthan is my home state, so you know I have to. I'm sharing what is happening in, in some parts of Rajasthan, not everywhere. It's very rare. So even though Buddhism and Jainism are not so 
popular across India now, but their influence has changed the shape of India, has changed the way people are doing rituals, or people are doing rituals, people, what people are eating every day is all, in my humble opinion, I think a huge contribution from Jainism and Buddhism, number one. Number two, one of the most senior, or the most senior Jain practice, practicing scholar in the world, in North America at least, is Professor Padmanabh Jaini. He's still almost the age of, at the age of 90. He, he has retired from UC Berkeley. He wrote an amazing paper, research paper, an article, in which he has compared the survival of Jainism in India with disappearance of Buddhism from India. Buddhism had to leave India almost and go back, go to Tibet. From Tibet, it went to China and then uh, in the down south in Sri Lanka and Thailand, Laos and uh, Cambodia and so on, and China to Japan. But Buddhism in India pretty much disappeared until Baba, Dr. Baba Sahib Ambedkar came and he brought Buddhism back, which is called as Neo-Buddhism. Jainism has a really interesting and different history. Jainism did not disappear. It survived, although in very less number, but it had it didn't have to it didn't have to leave India. It continues continue to flourish within India. Because of this very uh, interesting kind of deal making in some settings, for example, Jains, you will see Jains monks going to Muhammad, Muhammad bin Tughlaq's um, uh, uh, Darbar in Delhi. Jains going to Akbar's Darbar in Delhi, Jahangir's Darbar in, in Delhi, and, and convincing them to also adopt non-violence and cut down on the meat consumption. Jains have been very, you know, at the forefront. Chandrakut Maurya's grandfather and grandson both adopted Jainism. Uh, sorry, Ashoka's grandfather and, and grandson adopted uh, Jainism. So because of the Jain influence on the kings of the Mauryan Empire or the Mughal Empire and so on, and even in present day, Jains are at the forefront of for spreading, uh, you know, spread, spread of vegetarianism, for example. Because of this Jains coexistence, and insistence on their moral principles without diluting their moral principles. I think Jainism has survived and flourished in India, although in very less number, yes. But now Jains are spreading across the world. They are making their presence felt wherever they are. So I can go on and on, but I think in the interest of time, I'm not yeah. understanding. No, I think great answer. I think the, what I take away from it is that it doesn't matter what is the religion can name that you write yeah. on the census of India, yeah. right? I mean, that number may be 1%. But if the core principles of Jainism, which is on Ahimsa, on not eating meats, on any of those, if those spread, how does it matter whether or yes. not, you know, what the person identifies it? Essentially, is that person, he or she, doing all the principles that mm -hmm. uh, Jainism embodies? And maybe that is a measure of checking how fast and, and, and far has uh, Jainism spread. Um, uh, Dr. Pankaj, this is the last question for you uh, today before we move to Sangeeta, ma'am. It's a question that's come from an anonymous uh, attendee, um, but I thought it's very relevant because, uh, because you are a professor. So this is the question. Um, should one consider a career in Jain teachings, but it's also said that dharma studies should not be charged. Uh, so the question is, if we go back and see, then dharma studies should not be charged. But should one Jain consider a career in Jain teachings? Uh, if that, that's the last question for you. Yes, yes. Again, Jains have done marvelous job in North America. Jains have set up more than a dozen academic professorships and chairs across North America. So I really invite all of you youngsters listening, you know, stop thinking of stock markets and Mercedes Benz and huge mansions. 
think of spreading or practicing Jain values academically, spreading not just not as a missionary, but understanding them, writing research papers on them, writing research books on them, and, and writing academic, you know, really high quality research papers and books. That would be the ultimate uh, service to uh, Jain tradition and uh, to take these values, not the religion as such, but Jain values, like I like, like to discuss in the beginning, to take these values academically and help. Uh, make this planet better you know, health of the planet is in danger health of all of us is in danger and i think jain values have a long way to not just survive but to flourish to keep this planet flourishing green and clean i think jain values have a great value great way to go an academic study academic career is the way to do it not just in north america here also all the major universities should have these chairs professorships not to spread religion but to spread these values which can be applied to a wider Great question, and yes, we should do. We must do this. Younger generation Thank you, Dr. Pankaj. Uh, you have told us what to spread. Definitely not the coronavirus, but a lot of the principles of uh, Jain teachings. It was such a pleasure speaking to you. You know, mm -hmm. I really uh, understood the uh, that how uh, uh, there is no one answer to something, right? Yes. When we talked about masks and why are uh, Rishi Munis are wearing the mupatti. You gave three different reasons uh, as to why. Uh, we learned that uh, you know there are variety of organisms. Plants are also living organisms, but because they are one sense, uh, one uh, I guess it's translated as ekindriya versus uh, you know others that are uh, five sense organisms. Uh, that's why plants are okay to eat, but uh, you know animals are not. And even within plants, uh, when uh, it's a byproduct, like a, like a fruit has fallen from a tree or a leaf uh, is much better than eating something that is being cut from the root, like a potato or garlic or onion or many of those things. Uh, we talked about how Jains have been doing businesses that have largely uh, been non-violent, um, but there's always scope to improve on that. And as long as one is mindful of the work that they are doing and, and finds ways to mitigate that, that would be good. Um, we learned that, uh, you know, I think dairy itself is now a lot under the radar. Uh, so even while you are vegetarian, there's a chance to be a vegetarian plus plus by moving to vegan, uh, given that, you know, the source of uh, milk products itself causes a lot of um, emotional as well as uh, other forms of violence uh, to the mother that is the milk is coming from. Um, and, you know, we, we essentially also agreed that uh, if by, by bringing more uh, quantification on uh, the forms of, that are important for us to track in ecology, there's a chance that, that visibility itself will help uh, reduce the arm. So thank you so much for all your wisdom that you have very articulately bestowed in the last 15 minutes. Excellent summary. Thank you.